Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. This is the word of the Lord. This season uh, after Easter, we've been looking at uh, what it's like to get closer and closer to Jesus, uh, who, who was our suffering sacrificial lamb and who then became our resurrected king. Uh, we started on uh, Easter Sunday um, with, let me just see, here we go. Okay, this is fantastic. There we go. We, okay, let's just see if this even, ah, there we go, great. So we started on Easter Sunday um, after the big ice storm um, and flood at our church. We had a baptism service um, and, we, and our teaching focused on Mary Magdalene and what she did with the tragic news of Jesus' death, of a rabbi's death, and then the apparent theft of his corpse. But then she encountered the resurrected Jesus in his resurrection body and everything changed. And if you remember, at that moment, Jesus told her not to cling to him because he wanted her to look ahead to his impending ascension uh, when he would send the Holy Spirit so that all of us now have the opportunity to cling to him because it's through the Holy Spirit that we can get closer and closer to Jesus. The second week, we looked at what God, what he does for us. Uh, from our text in First Peter chapter 1, uh, we saw that God gives us a living hope. He gives us an eternal inheritance, that uh, we are guarded by God's power, that we have the character of our faith that's proven in the school of suffering and grief, that we have the sure hope of Christ's return, and we have this inexpressible and glorious joy. So there was a lot to get encouraged about this particular text. And then we spent the next 10 to 15 minutes quieting our hearts, if you remember this. Yeah, we've already had it referred to through Elwood um, as we just listened to the Word of God read. And then through Lectio Divina, through sacred reading, we heard 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9 read to us four times. And each of us listened to what God wanted to say to us. Last week, Reverend Darren Dix, uh, he unpacked the account of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance to yeah, the two disciples on the road 
leading to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. And as I was listening to him, um, uh, the Lord really spoke to me. It was like he was speaking his spirit of rest and peace into my life. And what spoke to me was this thought, that in times of uncertainty, we need to invite Jesus to walk with us. We need to invite him into our uncertainty and all aspects of our lives. And there was that moment where you know Jesus made as if to carry on and he waited until they said why don't you come with us and uh and I've and really over this past week I've been thinking about all the times that I've not invited Jesus into what I'm up to maybe I've assumed uh that he will be there or I've even taken him for granted without actually saying Lord would you be here with me and this is such a good word for me because pretty much straight after that service um okay that's me okay okay my that's like skinny unhairy Dan when I used to run and I don't have a recent picture of me running because I don't run anymore but the image here is of me running headlong into a week um, and uh, so what happened last Sunday after church is I I did all the video editing I uploaded the service to YouTube so that it would be ready online at four o'clock I then headed straight over to Southbridge long-term care home uh, where we did a wonderful service there fantastic and then we were fo- was followed by a second service over at Bayfield after that I came home and I crashed for half an hour I then went and picked up Ariana from her friend's house I sat down with her friend's parents and we just had a lovely little chat uh, and then I made it home just in time for the senior high lads to show up at my house for if you know you know that was happening on Sunday evening and this was all really good stuff I was excited I was energized um, and I loved it. But what happened the next week is that I I hit a wall. I hit a wall on Tuesday. Um, I literally stayed, this is more like me nowadays. (laughs) And this isn't a selfie, this is Maya. You know, she's obviously learned from the best how to get someone at their most vulnerable and take a picture of them. So uh, I'm glad that I've uh, raised the child in the way she should go when she was young. So um, anyway, but I hit a wall and I, I slept and I was meant to be in work, you know, Tuesday's a work day, but I was at home. I could not move. I watched movies. I read a book. I slept. I had three naps on that day. At some point they stopped being a nap and they start being a coping mechanism. And I think that that's kind of what, what, what happened. Um, but I realized at that point that I was useless to anyone. Um, and then from Wednesday onwards, they start to re-emerge from the cocoon I was in. But what I realized at that moment is that I'd been living beyond my, my creaturely limits. Um, I'd been doing more than I should have been doing, even though it was great stuff, and I paid the price. Uh, I wasn't inviting Jesus in. Instead, I was hurrying up, I was getting it done, and I was saying, Jesus, are you with me? Are you coming along with me? Could you please keep up, Jesus, to my frenetic pace of life? Now, of course, I, I didn't realize that I was doing it at that time, um, but I, I was. And I don't know about you, but sometimes adrenaline can be rather addictive. It's Moorish. And, uh, and, and simply because I loved people and also because I hadn't planned my time very well, I was living beyond my limits as a human being. And that 
you know, when you add that weekend onto, you know, the past few weeks of high-octane ministry and floods and power outages and ice storms and blah, 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 um, that's why I ended up where I did. And then Jesus kind of sat me down on Tuesday and he said, sit, stay, lie down. That's what Jesus did. And here's what I'm realizing, that when I insist on living faster than Jesus, I'm acting like I'm the shepherd and he's the sheep. Hey, Jesus, this is the way. You should come with me. I'm leading the way. But our passage today paints a very different picture. It paints Jesus as the shepherd and I am the sheep, that you are the sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd. This is how we were created. <coughs> There's this um, episode of Friends where Chandler asks Joey if he's okay. And, uh, and Joey says, I won't try to do the New York accent, but Joey says, oh, I will try to do the New York accent. <laughs> Joey says, are you kidding me? I'm great. In fact, I'm better than great. I'm good. And maybe Joey's not the best theologian, just like I'm not the best uh, accent actor. But maybe Joey's on to something here, because when it comes to tending sheep, Joey's absolutely right, is that being good is better than being great. Because being great is about skill and talent, but being good is about heart. The world exalts the great, but only a good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. Being a good shepherd means that I can trust Jesus' heart. I know that Jesus as the good shepherd will do the right thing because he cares about you and he cares about me. And you and I make great sheep, but we don't make good shepherds. And I expect that some of you right now are living beyond your creaturely limits. You're living as if you're the shepherd and Jesus is the sheep. That you call the shots and that Jesus follows after you. Listen to these words. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out when he has brought all his own outside. He goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, even though we have a good shepherd, he's not the only one out there on the hillside. There are bad actors that we have to watch out for. Verse 1 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. So let's say that you head home from church after this service and as you're driving up your driver, you see someone climbing in through your living room window. Let me tell you what your first thought is not. Hey there, there's someone who's supposed to be there. Why don't I hold the window open a bit wider so that you don't get your swag bag catched on the window as you climb in? Okay, that's what you don't think. Because the way that you choose to enter a structure like a building gives a clue as to your intention. The only exception to this is the Dukes of Hazard. How they entered the General Lee Charger is amazing. And in the 80s, there were many boys in South Wales who longed to be able to climb into their car through the window. But in normal Christian life, if you're not a Dukes of Hazard, then the door is for good people, but criminals climb in through other ways. 
On uh, Saturday, last Saturday, um, I locked my keys in my van upon Merivale um, outside Food Basics and after patting down my pockets 20 times to see if they were somehow magically there and after praying that God would open the car, but not too loudly because I didn't want to look like a weirdo, um, I called around a few people to see if they'd be able to come up and help me, and uh, I was amazed at how many people said, I'd love to, but I'm not able to right now. And so, you know, I, there, was, uh, there was a lot of really well-meaning people, but in the end, it was actually Karen Rebuka who was the one who was willing to drive an hour-long round trip up to Merivale so that I could open the van. But Right before I made those calls, I was trying to remember what the guy did who got me unlocked last time a few years ago. Um, and I seem to remember it involved like a suction cuppy thing and a reachy grabby thing. And I realized that I didn't have a suction cuppy thing or a reachy grabby thing. And even if I did, trying to do that in the middle of the parking lot would look super dodgy. So that's why I called <laughs> my friends to see who would show up. And really, Jesus is saying something along the same lines here. If someone tells you that there is a way to reach Almighty God that's not through Jesus Christ, if they're, if they're saying that there's another way into the kingdom that somehow excludes Jesus, that involves climbing over a wall or some such, then we need to reject these ideas outright. It's really tempting to say, oh, you have a way to God that's through Muhammad maybe Buddha or Joseph Smith or Good Works or Elon Musk or Reiki or saving the, the world or through some sort of enlightenment. It's, it's really tempting to say, well, that's really great as long as it works for you. But scripture says something very, very different. Anyone who suggests a different way to reach the Father other than through faith in the completed work and grace of Jesus Christ is a thief and a robber. They are up to no good. They're trying to get in through the window or the wall. Now, in the context of John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking specifically to the Pharisees who are actively trying to, uh, to discredit Jesus' miraculous healing of the, of the blind man. We looked at this actual passage back on March the 19th. Um, but, but what Jesus is doing is that he's implying, and not very subtly, that the Pharisees in, the, in this case, that they are the thieves and the robbers. Like I said, nowadays, the thieves and the robbers who are trying to steal you away from your security in Christ might not look like Pharisees, but they are no less insidious and, you know, dangerous. In fact, me and Enya met a woman in a pizza shop a couple of weeks ago who has literally gemstones all over her body, in her pockets, around her neck, even in her bra. And she said that she really believes in the power and the energy of these stones. And she was a lovely lady. She was sincere. She was super kind, really nice. And it actually made me think, man, she's sharing about her faith in these stones much quicker and with much more winsomeness than I would necessarily share about my faith in Christ. And it kind of made me think, why is she so ready to share about her faith in her stones when I'm not ready to share about my faith in Christ? But... Things like Reiki and New Age, these are thieves and robbers just as much as the Pharisees were. They are up to no good. They, they make a promise that they will look after you, but they leave us open to spiritual, spiritual attack. They leave us vulnerable. But the promise of Jesus is that he will protect us 
Verse 7, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And what this verse tells us is that in Jesus we find safety and we find protection. Jesus says that he is the gate, that he will open up for any in his flock and who he will close up for those thieves and robbers who wish to do your soul harm. Okay, his words say this, I, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Our gate is not religion. Our gate is not meeting some kind of standard. Our gate is not gaining you know, the favor of the world through maybe virtue signaling or working hard. Our gate is not a thing. Our gate is a person, the Lamb of God, the man Jesus Christ. And we enter into the sheepfold through faith in him. He opens it up to everyone. And if we walk in, then we are safe. So let me ask you this morning, do you know the safety and the protection of Jesus Christ? Is your soul and your body safe and secure in him? In verse 8, the verse leading up to this one, we read this. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and so on. Now, I've always read this verse here, all who, who came before me, as those who came chronologically before Jesus are thieves and robbers. And so, you know, you think about the false prophets and you think about the false teachers and you say, that makes sense. Anyone who came in history before Jesus is a thief and a robber. But instead, I read this week, this verse, that instead of thinking the word before returning, uh, referring to time or, or to chronology, we should instead read, read the word before in terms of location, in terms of space, in terms of geography. Like, you know, we would say that I saw the cabin standing before the forest or the politician who, who, who stood before the crowd. So this is how it works. More likely, therefore, the, the phrase before me has a spatial reference. Thieves and robbers have come before Jesus as before a door and as the door he has closed he is a closed door to all who confront him and threaten the sheep. And if this is true, then Jesus isn't comparing himself to everyone who came chronologically before him. Instead, he's the gap. He's standing in the gap in between you as the sheep inside the pen and the thieves and the robbers who would do you harm. He's saying, if you want to get to my sheep, then you have to go through me. Or if you want to harm my flock, then you have to do it over my dead body. And so Jesus as the gate is standing in between you and those malevolent spiritual forces that would do you harm or would crush your soul or would bring you down. Like these words from another one of our lectionary passages, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, this isn't saying that we have a worry-free life. In fact, another one of our lectionary readings, 1 Peter 2, says this, for it, for it brings favor if because of a conscience, consciousness of, of God, someone endures grief for, for, from suffering, so suffering unjustly. 
Let me say that again. For it brings favor if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there when you do wrong and you, and you are beaten, you, you endure it. But when you do what is right, what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So what we see here in this lectionary reading is that we are not promised a, prob- a problem-free life as the sheep of God, but what we are promised is in the middle of these problems, the protection of Jesus Christ and the community of the other sheep in the sheep pen. Here's the way that uh, the sheep in the sheep pen are shown in Acts chapter 2, another one of this week's lectionary readings. This is what it looks like, this is what it should look like in the sheep pen of Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. That's what it should look like in the sheep pen. And then it carries on every day. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number, those who were being saved. And it's been really encouraging over these past few months seeing all of the new people that God has been bringing to our little flock in our little pen. So not only does Jesus protect us as the gate, he also provides for us as the shepherd. It says those who enter, or the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. Unlike the stranger, they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. John chapter 10 verse 5. Now, in the spiritual world, stranger danger is a very real thing. And if it doesn't look like Jesus, or sound like Jesus, or act like Jesus, then probably have a guess what? It's not Jesus. Now, maybe you're rather confused right now, because um, Jesus is the gate, as we've already established, and Jesus is the shepherd who enters by the gates, uh, and then we have a gatekeeper, and Who's the gatekeeper in all of this in verse 3? Now, I got confused and I was just trying to work out who was who, but I find the, 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 the words from this commentary very helpful. It says... This, this, par- this passage is parabolic, it's a parable in form, and Jesus uses several images somewhat interchangeably. John Calvin wise, wisely counsels against trying to tie the metaphors down too tightly. Let us be content with the general view that Christ likens the church to a sheepfold in which God assembles his people and compares himself 
to the door since he's the only entrance into the church. So I find this quite helpful. Don't tie the metaphors down overly tightly. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the shepherd. But Jesus isn't the gatekeeper. And we're not really sure who the gatekeeper is. And that's okay. But the point here is that Jesus being the shepherd is that he protects and he provides. He calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. And if you remember that in front of the gate, outside of the pen, are the thieves and the, and the robbers. But when you're with Jesus, as verse 9 says, that, that he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, I might be wrong here, but I find this idea of coming in and going out to mean something like this, that we're not supposed to be a country club when you know we aren't simply saved to sit in the pen and enjoy the security of Jesus's protection no Jesus wants us to lead to lead us out so that we can find more sheep sheep who were lost and so that we can tell them about our good shepherd and the protection and the provision that only he provides and so as we go out into the mission field of serving overseas or into the mission field of the workplace or into the mission field of school or university wherever God is leading us according to this verse we will find our pasture in other words we can get rid of a scarcity mindset there is food there is security there is enough there is home because we're being led in and out in the presence of the good shepherd Psalm 23 says this in this same vein, he, he, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Or here, he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So Jesus is our gate. He's our protection and Jesus is our shepherd. He's our provision. We come into him for that sense of home and we go out with him to fulfill our mission. But he's always there. He's always with us. In um, season nine of The Masked Singer, one of the singers is dressed as a gargoyle and he's singing this song, uh, One Call Away by Charlie Puth. Now, if you don't know what the masked singer is or you don't know who Charlie Puth is, then it doesn't really matter. But um, as the singer is singing, one of, the, one of the judges, which is Jenny McCarthy, she says this to another judge. She says, I feel like we should know who this is. Now, later on, the masked singer, you know, the whole idea of the show is that the masked singer is unmasked so that we can find out who he or she is. Now, I'm sharing all of this because as I was watching this song by this masked singer known as the Gargoyle, there was one comment on YouTube from a, from a user named, named Brittany Angel with two L's that I found very interesting. This is what Brittany Angel said. She said, no, it's really Keenan Allen. It hasn't been officially confirmed, but the clues and the voice match up perfectly. So you have one of the judges who's being paid big money and she's going, I feel that we should know who this is. And then you have a YouTuber, Brittany Angel, with two L's who says, no, it is Keenan Allen. What's, what's the difference between, between Jenny McCarthy and 
Brittany Angel? Well, clearly, Brittany Angel knows who Keenan Allen is. She knows enough about his history and the clues and his voice to confidently identify him. And on Friday, the big news, if you're a Mass Singer fan, was that she was right. The singer was LA Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen. Brittany Angel was right. And our passage today tells us that we can have the same confidence that Brittany Angel had identifying Keenan Allen as the gargoyle masked singer. But we're not trying to figure out who the masked singer is. We're trying to figure out who the shepherd is, who we should follow. And we can recognize the voice of Jesus. It says in verse 4, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. So as you read the Bible, as you practice Lectio Divina, as you engage in listening prayer, listening to Jesus, not just praying to him, you start to recognize the voice and the intonations of the shepherd. You can start to tell the difference between you know, the condemning words of Satan and the convicting words of the good shepherd. You, you can start to tell the difference between the unsettling voice of the stranger and the reassuring voice of the shepherd who isn't just great, but who is good. And what does the voice of the shepherd say to us? He says this, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance, John 10, 10. So Jesus has come to be our gate, the one who protects us from all that would harm our souls. He is our safe place. And Jesus has come to be our shepherd, the one who, who provides for us and who leads us in and out into the mission field. Jesus has come so that we can be freed of the need to be our own shepherd and to enjoy our roles as sheep. Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus came as the best of shepherds, not just the great shepherd, but the good shepherd. We don't need a great shepherd. Our world has enough great shepherds, but Jesus was never great in the sense that the world counts greatness. While he was on earth, he left a very small little footprint, but he is good. He's the good shepherd. And if you're not part of his flock yet, if you've never chosen to exchange the loneliness of going through life alone for the comfort of being part of his flock, of his family, of his church, of, of those that he loves, then you can come to him this morning in faith and know his protection and his wonderful provision as you reject going your own way and instead allow him to lead you from this moment onwards. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls.